It's me, Gabe. This is Behind the Chainsaws. Hopefully you know that by now and you haven't been living under a rock. And I'm Caleb. Pleasure. Back again. Thank Episode you. 9. Episode 9. All right. We're just hopping right into this. We are. All right. Hot. And not hot. Well, actually, yes, it's hot. Um, we now hot. have... <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting across from you and you look like Steve Irwin. I'm not going to lie with like the shirt and everything. Great. You're ready to go, crocodile hunt. <laughs> That's a where you can, We're on YouTube now. <laughs> yes, we are. We're on YouTube, YouTube. Spotify, we should um, be. Samsung Podcasts, mm-hmm. Instagram, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. It all should be at Behind the Chainsaws. Yes. But, you know, we're trying to get really, everywhere. Yeah, we're doing trying, really good. at least. So far. So, um, oh, by the way, sponsored, well. Uh, would well, be not, sponsor. Uh, you should be sponsoring. I feel like you know one day we might have to cut them loose. Just say sadly, it's... yes, and we may have to switch to another company. Mm-hmm. But for now, mm-hmm. yeah, we got to sponsor get... us one of yes. these days. Um, if if we could get sponsored by Disney and get millions to make this podcast, that'd be great. Yeah, and my computer screen. Uh, either way, to Liquid Death Mountain Water, you should be sponsoring us. Mine didn't, uh, mine didn't pop and fizzle very good, but how fun! That's good. All right, had to take a big swallow. All right, today I'm leading, and today I'd like to tell you about Coco Chanel. I nearly <laughs> the way you looked at me, I thought you were just gonna go. And today, I want to tell you about cocaine. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Hey, that's a great topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hopping back to our Kennedy episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, no. Coco Chanel, do you know who she is? I have heard the name. Okay. Would you like to take a guess at what she is known for? <clears throat> it's in the name. <laughs> no, it's not cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, never mind. Coca. No. Wait, isn't Coca cocaine? Do I need to say the name again for you? Yes. Coco Chanel. Late night talk show. Okay. Now that we have determined that Caleb lives under a frickin' rock, (laughs) Chanel is a luxury brand. Luxury clothes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, got it, got it, okay. So my if mind you didn't was catch going it. to like illegal like no. things like drugs or like murder no. or something. Okay. So Coco Chanel founded Chanel brand. I think it was called it might have been called something different. I wrote these notes a while ago. But she had both a very interesting life and a very twisted life. So today I'm gonna tell you about it. So to start off, Gabrielle Chanel also known as Coco Chanel, was born on August 19th, 1883, in a name I'm going to butcher, Surmur, France. I should say it better. Surmur, France. Uh, also, Western France, just in that general area. She looks French. Mm-hmm. So she was born to a poor single-parent family, and after the death of her mother, her... um. After the death of her mother, her mother, her not her mother, her, can't speak. Her mother. Her mother. In 1894, her father took the children, including Coco, to an orphanage. So I also should preface this. I said single parent family. They they never got married, the two parents, and the mother did most of the caring until she died, and the dad just kind of dropped him off, pretty much. Okay, okay. Um, so they were taken to the orphanage. She was put up for adoption and then raised in a convent until she left at age 18. So she never got adopted. So she lived out her, her youth in the orphanage. Um, but in the orphanage, Coco learned that she had a love for sewing and worked at perfecting it. And as a young girl, she was able to get her hand on books that would tell her tales of people who were able to you know, save themselves from poverty, get out of it, and become rich. So 
this this is important because she later stated that the book's quote nourished my sensibility and my pride. Oh, okay. So uh, these stories fueled her imagination, and she once asked a seamstress to make a dress for her that was similar to one in a book she had read. And when she got the chance to wear it to church, the nuns made her put on something more modest because it was kind of a bit high-end for the time. A bit rebellious. Not not really rebellious, but it was very... Um, Too fancy? Not, not fancy, but it was... Um, <clears throat> kind of it kind of is it was the red dress and a black dress pretty much it that's the best way i can say it it was the okay, it was okay. the hot red dress in a room of black dresses oh okay it was okay. it had like ribbons it had bows it was had a couple different colors that were bright and kind of shiny okay okay I so it it was you know it was the it was a sore thumb kind of thing it was pretty but it was a sore thumb so, um, once she turned 18, she wanted to become a singer, and she would attend a local concert where she would, um, well, she would, she would attend local concerts where she, I should reword this, she attended local concerts where, after a while, she started to become fairly popular. Oh. Um, she sang two songs, which kind of earned her, her you know, spot on the stage. And those two were Co Rico and uh here we go. This is gonna be interesting. Kui Qua Vu Coco is how I'm gonna pronounce it. I have to use the French. Oh, accent. I know that song. Okay. Kuki Kuawa Owawa Wawa Bang Bang You know what? <laughs> so it was a good attempt. It was. I'll give you that much. Thank you. So this is where people started to call her Coco. That's that's where she earned the nickname and Coco instead of um, Gabriele. I, was it Gabriele? It was Gabrielle? Yeah, Gabrielle. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay, so she's she's doing pretty good. Yeah, she's doing all right. So. Later How in life. How old is she at this point? Well, she, I think she would have been, um, no older than 20 at most. So 18, 19, probably. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And here I am still. Yeah. Here we are recording a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> she's out here with her own luxury brand. No, no. no, no. Not no, she yet. She hasn't done not that yet. yet. But she's performing in front of. Well, I guess she's we're performing. performing in front of people. Yeah. We're yeah. like Coco. Well, we shouldn't. Well, we're at the moment. We're like Coco Chanel. Maybe later we'll be like Coco too. You'll you'll understand what I mean by that yeah. in a minute. So uh, later in life, she rarely spoke about her sing years, but put shortly, um, it didn't last long before she soon realized that she wasn't meant for the stage. She she thought, oh, I'll be a singer, but after a while, she's like, no, nah, the stage is in my, is in my spot. <laughs> so as a young woman, Coco was very was a very attractive woman. Uh, so much so that she was the matress to multiple rich men. And during those years, one of them, um, I, sometimes my notes. So she, she, multiple rich men. So she kind of, she was, she was the, you know, I'm going to put my arm around you pretty much. Yeah. I'm going yeah. to show up. I'm going to bring you to a party. So one of the rich men, um, was... Um, now I think this is the name, but it's Arthur Boy Capel, and he is the man, or he, well, he is the man that is responsible for lending Coco her first sum of money that led to her opening her first shop, her first actual clothing store. Oh, I think okay. it, it was, I forget what her first item was, but clothing, dress, something. Uh, this was in 1910. So, unfortunately, Capel died in 1919, and the money stopped. Ah. So, 
I'm not sure exactly. Here, do me a favor, would you, while I take yes. some water? Look up when did war, 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 WW1 star, World War One. Sure. Because I should have added this in my notes, but um, the first shop opened in 1910, and then Capel died in 1919. Right. Um, so, according to the Google. Ah, uh, the Google. We love the um, Google. And Wikipedia. I don't know how accurate Wikipedia is. But um, according to Wikipedia, July 28, 1914. Okay, so... And then it ended November 11, 1918. Um, <coughs> when did her shop close? So her... her well, here's the thing. her She started the shop in 1910, and then in 1919, the money stopped. So she was... So the money was going on all throughout. Yeah, it was going on, but here's... This is where... It's kind of hard to... Because a bit of my stuff overlaps, but... Continuing. By the start of World War One, she had started to climb through the ranks of society. So by 1914, she was starting to work her way into higher class. <clears throat> and that's what we're doing currently. Yes, we're trying. And her rise put her in the inner circle of Europe's most powerful and influential figures of the time. Some of them were Pablo Picasso. Um, this is... Queen Elizabeth. No. Sergei... Really? No. Well, maybe, but not in these notes, at least. Not in my notes. Wait, how... Wait, was Queen Elizabeth born in World War I? I don't know. She's like 200-something. <laughs> 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 You're choking. I am. I have no idea how old she is. So, um, this other gentleman, Sergei Diaghilev, Gilev is how I'm going to say it, and I put in quotations a Russian art. art a, ah, I can't even say that. A Russian art critic. So, uh, she was also able to make good friends with. This is where you might think Queen Elizabeth, but Winston Churchill. And, um, Hugh Richard Arthur Grossenvor. Um, also, I, that's rough pronunciation. I can't do words tonight, apparently. The Duke of Westminster. So. British people. Yeah, British people. <laughs> do, are any of our listeners from Britain? I don't believe so. I don't believe we have any British listeners. Not currently, I don't think. Good, so we can make fun of his businesses. Yeah. <laughs> we can make fun of him currently. So, over the years, she gained influence, and this helped her greatly during World War World War Two. I can't... World War Two. When people's lives turns upside down. So. So... <laughs> I wonder if World War Two is where they came up with the saying, like, you know, turn that frown upside, upside down. down. <laughs> uh, well, for most people, it was that smile that went to, that went to a frown. I mean, depending on, you know... Well, where you were living, of course, but... Yeah. So even though she was in the inner circle of highly influential people, when the Nazis took over Par Paris in 1940, it still had a major impact on life. So, granted, this is a decent jump, because we were chatting about how she started to... In World War One. Yeah, she started yeah. to... In 1914, she was starting to work her way up. But also, if you remember, the money stopped at 1919. She was kind of on her own. Right, or kind World of, War One ended at 1918. Okay, because by 1919, her the current guy that was supplying her with money had passed right so she was kind of i don't know what she did in that chunk of time but she was kind of on her own she was you know okay made it okay. herself so in 1940 paris was overrun by the nazis so to compensate for this coco started to date baron hans gunther ba okay this is a long baron hans gunther von dinklage <laughs> That is... <laughs> now, the only thing I like about that is Dinklage. <laughs> I kind of like saying that. <laughs> so, he was a German officer in Abwehr. That's how I'm going to say it. Abwehr, I think, is how you say it. Perfect. 
So I, I'm just listening. I'm I'm enjoying this mm-hmm. so far. It does get interest. This is where that starts to get interesting. So her new dating arrangement allowed her to move into the Ritz Hotel. Uh, for those of you not in the know, a five star hotel chain, and they that's it's around multiple different cities, but the hotel, the Ritz Hotel in Paris, uh, also a German headquarters in Paris. So um, this also kept her right in the center of high society, or at least of what high society she could be in. Right. So Coco's relationship with Dinklage also left her, also let her deal with some personal matters. So one of them being that her nephew was imprisoned in a German, um, in, I think it was a German jail, but there's a better term for it, a, a German... Prisoner of war camp. A stallage? Stalage? I don't know. German prison, that's what we're going to call it. In 1914. Or 1940, excuse me. Right. So another was her business interest. So remember how I was telling you in 1919, the guy who was supplying her with money? Died. You know, yeah, he died and the money stopped. Yes. So since 1924, the... Were the let's more names Worthyerm Worthymer Worthymer is how I'm gonna say it. Worthymer Worthymer. I'm gonna say that Worthymer. By the way, this is a spelling podcast. Spelling, (laughs) spelling words, words, words. You know, I'm just gonna say that with word family. (laughs) So the Worthymer family. A Jewish family, in quotes, has it had fund well, they had funded the launch of her perfume line in exchange for a large sum of the profits. So, is this gonna go where I think it's gonna go? Yeah, exactly where it's gonna go. So, so now with Aryanization laws, so I don't know what those laws were. Uh, anti, anti. Anti anti-ization, um, yeah. Just it was anti-Jew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now with anti-Jews laws in place, which forced Jews to give up their business, she saw an opportunity to reclaim a lucrative branch of her empire. Ah, okay. <laughs> it okay. started out int- It started out sweet, and then it's like, like I, ooh, yeah. She was, really, it, yeah. She so she she, she, yeah. she was she was not opposed to clawing her way to the top. Okay. So, because okay. I was going to say, so like when you first started and said that she was part of the Nazi high society and hanging out with all them, I was thinking, you know, I wonder if she's going to end up like having mm-hmm. people thrown in prison, concentration so, camps, stuff like that. I, I, if you'd let me continue. Yeah, go ahead. However, this later reached a dead end. The worthy mayor, worthy Mers, worthy Mers family, um, they, oh, my notes. So the family transferred control of their part of the company to a Frenchman, uh, quote, not Jewish, named Felix M. Miot before fleeing to the United States. Ooh. So she, so she couldn't, you know, throw them in jail, but if they were still there, she would have had them thrown in jail and. And, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So she's not as, she's not a good yeah. person. Yeah, it's actually point. interesting because. You can find if you look up Coco Chanel history, the initial things that pop up are all good about her. Oh, I'm sure. Because, well, here's a lot of the side note for the end, but a lot of the information I'm reading came out about her after her death. While she was alive, she did very well at keeping it under wraps and quiet. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, so anybody, I'm sure, I'm sure she did, because in my eyes, you know. If you side with Nazis and you, you know, you, you, you know, mm-hmm. anybody that does that, I believe not, not. Well, good. yeah. So that, that kind of makes she, me, uh, she not, wanted to, yeah. She was trying to stay on top. So Dinklage, Coco's partner, if you've forgotten, how could you forget Dinklage though? I'm just saying. Um, introduced her to another Amware agent uh another one baron louis 
the Van Freeland. Like, words. Words. <laughs> words. So, Van Freeland allegedly agreed to help Coco get her nephew out of prison in exchange for her help in Berlin. So, in 1941, Coco Chanel became Agent F7124, with the code name Westminster. Westminster. And this was because she had a former friendship with the Duke of Westminster, if you remember. Yes, I do. Wait, is she is she being is she helping the Germans? Yeah, she's working for the Germans. Ah, this is kind of making me despise her brand mm-hmm. now. Well, here's the thing: it's it's her. It she's dead now. She's long gone. But you know, I'm just saying this is the twisted history of Chanel that they'd probably rather not let you. Not prefer you not to know. Yeah, we're going to end up... <laughs> this podcast may never... <laughs> yeah, we're never going to get a... It's like Chanel's like, this rising podcast, and then they're going to listen to this episode. Nope. Nope. Reel it back in. <laughs> oh my goodness. So she was tasked with um, obtaining different political information from colleagues in Madrid, Spain. So for a few months in 1941, Coco and Van Freeland worked together. They worked together under the cover of business dealings. Now it's not known if Coco's um, workings as a spy helped the Germans in any way. We don't know if it was she did something critical that really helped them, or if she was just kind of there. However, the work that she did do was enough to make um, Van Freeland essentially fulfill his agreement, or at least work to fulfill his agreement, which was the release of Coco's nephew. So she did at least, she did do her part. We don't know if it helped him, but she did do her part. Okay. And I've got to take a drink. Caleb. Yes. Tell them where they can find us while I drink. Yeah, um, you can find us on YouTube at Behind the Chainsaws. You can find us on Spotify at Behind the Chainsaws. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter. Favorite and, podcasting place. And, uh, oh, that's right. Um, And Samsung Podcast at Behind the Chainsaws. And Spotify at Behind the Chainsaws. Mm, thank you. Thank be you. For, be sure to give us likes, follows on all of our social medias. Mm-hmm. And be sure to listen to all the new yeah. episodes. One of these days, we're going to try to set up a Patreon. I don't know, because you kind of need to do extra content. And I don't know what we'd give extra to we people. Could... <laughs> we could give a... We don't have bloopers. You get all the bloopers and the normal stuff. I don't know. We could, do, we could do special episodes where we get to swear. I don't know. Maybe. Just saying. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. What we have, we have, we have to think about it more. It's not currently up. We have to think about it more. So continuing, so between late nineteen forty three and early nineteen forty four, with the Allied forces winning, Coco was asked to take on a new mission. She was to use her personal connection with now Prime Minister Winston Churchill. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, as I said, Prime Minister Winston Churchill, to relay a message that many SS senior officers were seeking an end to the bloodshed. And to accomplish this, Coco arranged for the release of a mutual friend of hers and Churchill's. Uh, I believe it was, I believe this is a she, but Vera Lombardi. So they traveled to Madrid, where Lombardi was given instructions to hand over a letter to Churchill, to Churchill, yeah, Churchill, at the British embassy. So this plan, however, backfired when Lombardi outed Coco for being a German spy, and Lombardi was taken back into custody, though Coco was able to return to Paris. Okay. So, in August of 1944, French forces reclaimed Paris with 
Well, they reclaim Paris, and with Coco's reputation of being a, a quote, horizontal collaborator, she was taken in for questioning. And although she was soon released after the war's end, she appeared in French court because German officers that had spilled the beans telling about her relationship with Abwehr. I probably said it so many different times. <laughs> I probably have. So they told her about the relationship. Uh, she was able to get out of trouble by saying Van Verland had agreed to get her nephew out of prison, but denied any other interactions with him. Um, this... For the most part, I believe it worked with her. Um, Coco also worked to erase as many other war crimes and connections she had made whenever possible. Oh, I'm sure. So when she learned that um, contact, or when, wait, 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 hold on, my notes, my notes, just hold on, just... <laughs> okay. My terrible typing. So she learned that um, this German shoulder was, this German soldier was going to release his um, memoir, or essentially like what he had all done throughout the war, and Coco was mentioned in it. Coco, Coco, quote, paid his medical and made sure his family was financially sound. And the resulting memoir had no mention of her in it. Oh, look at that. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, Coco never paid for her crimes. She was she made a comeback in the fashion world in 1954 after losing everything after the war. I'm kind of glad she did lose mm -hmm. everything. So, no, but she made a comeback. That's why we have Chanel today. But for a while, she, True. she it was True. all gone. So, after losing everything after the war, uh, with financial aid by Weathermere family, her, so the original family that she would have, if she got her way, uh, would have gassed them pretty much. They actually supported yeah, they, her. they funded her. Wow, so for they, her even being- Even after. So for her yeah, being, they, I'm they, gonna call her a Nazi. Mm-hmm. She's pretty much a Coco Nazi. Coco Chanel the Nazi, pretty much. Yeah, she so works Chanel as a spy. Chanel the Nazi is being funded by a Jewish family who she would have had killed mm -hmm. if they had remained in France. Now, here's here's mm. another question. I wonder if they knew she had... I yeah, doubt that's, it. I doubt it. Do you, well, here's the thing. If they did know, who's the idiot then? Her for letting them fund her again or them for funding them, her? Without a doubt. If she, If they know... Right. If they know, why why would they I've if I was them and I knew she had tried to kill me, mm -hmm. oh I would have I would have thrown her on, on <laughs> trial for war crimes. Mm -hmm. So her new designs I were, wonder if she helped the I wonder if she helped the Nazis as design I, their uniforms. Because <laughs> they look so good. <laughs> I that I it. seriously, I do you doubt know, it. Because you know, you know, I, I mean, they they were horrible people. Don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but their style mm -hmm. was unbeatable. I mean, you have the Japanese, which were meh. You have the mm -hmm. Americans, which were meh. The Italians, which were, <laughs> you know, the British, which were, you know, only cool looking uniforms were the Germans. Mm -hmm. All right, fair point. Fair point. Besides their pilots, they just look like they were wearing giant diapers. <laughs> hey, other than, hey. Anyways, <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Uh, well, I'm getting I'm getting close to wrapping this up. So, uh, her new designs were a huge hit, and it was twice as much as she had made in her best of days in Paris before the war. So she didn't just make a comeback; she doubled what she was getting. Dang. Yeah, I got to I'll give her one thing. Well done with that. Well done. Um she lived out her life as a celebrity before her death on January 10th, 1971 in Hotel Ritz, Paris. And if you are more interested in the story of Coco Chanel and the dark side fur, 
you can read about Coco Chanel in the book Sleeping with the Enemy, Coco Chanel, Nazi Agent. I should preface this by saying I did not read the book. However, it would be an interesting read. Oh, without a doubt. I might just... One of these days, I should, I'll probably buy it and read it. But... Hey, who knows? That wraps it up for me. That is the Co- the story of Coco Chanel, famous designer, luxury brand owner, and Nazi agent. Huh. Yeah, I was thinking when you said Coco Chanel, I was thinking like... Now, this is going to be boring. <laughs> no, no. I was thinking she would be like some Colombian cocaine lord <laughs> or something, you know. Let me ask you, though. Yeah. Let's say she was. Which story do you think is more interesting? Coco cocaine. <laughs> well, so if she was, if she was Coco, if she was, if she was, uh, if she was Padre Coca <laughs> and she made like a ton of cocaine. Mm-hmm. And then, like, she got recruited by the CIA to Mm -hmm. go take out the Nazis and then turn double agent and worked for the Nazis and then turn triple agent and worked for the um, for the USSR, Mother Russia, and then turned (laughs) like fourth agent and then betrayed everyone and worked for the US again and then went back to growing cocaine. That would be a pretty cool story. That would be. Yeah, I may write that book. (laughs) (laughs) Coco Chanel, a fictional story. Coco Chanel. All the information is probably accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Madam Coca. (laughs) Coming soon. Coming soon. Bam. Bam, 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 bam. Bum, 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 bum. Hello and welcome back to Sports News at Five. No, behind the chainsaws that behind you're probably the asleep. At five. <laughs> behind the chainsaws that you're probably already asleep. Swerving all over the road <laughs> right now. I've done that before, actually. Um, I have to. I'm not saying it's good. No, no. It's kind of scary. It is. Because you, like, get that, like, wake up. Like, mm-hmm. you start drifting lanes, mm-hmm. and you and wake then you, up. And then and you, and you hear, like, the brrrr, and then it's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've I've had to pull over multiple times and just sleep on the side of the road. I don't think, I don't think I've ever done that. I've stopped at a gas station once and just kind of, like, rested my eyes and then got a drink and then got back on, but I've never actually slept. I I pulled over one time at a gas or at a at a rest stop and slept for like an hour. I was only planning to sleep for like fifteen minutes. You slept for an hour, but I slept for an hour and I woke up and I was all like, you know, I didn't know where I was. I was mm-hmm. confused. I was scared. I was like, you know, I, I actually heard the date. If you're going to sleep in your car, you shouldn't sleep for more than. I think it was either 10 or 15 minutes, because that short amount of time will reset the clock. Like I your saw sleeps. that. However, saw if that. you keep, if you go over like an hour, then it actually, you start to go into a deeper sleep, into like that recharge. Yeah. So. I've heard, because I know like uh, on the news, they'll say pull over and sleep for like 15 minutes. No more than 30 mm-hmm. is what they usually say. No more than 30, but about 15. Anyways, that has nothing to yeah. do with my topic. Side story, though. Side story. A little bit of information. Yeah. Um. No, I have another caving story. Ooh. Yeah. I liked last time. <laughs> it was good. Huh? It was fun. So this one, I'm sure you've heard of it. Okay. It is the Nutty Putty Cave. I feel like I have heard of this, but I cannot tell you for the life of me what it's about. It's probably one of the more famous caving stories. Okay. So, um, Nutty Putty Cave is a cave that's located, uh, the wet, uh, is located west of Utah Lake in Utah County, Utah. Okay. A lot of Utahs. Okay. Um, so it's. It was it was popular with cavers and known for its narrow passageways. So it was it was not for brand new cavers. Yeah. It was know? it was a more intermediate to experienced. Yes. 
Uh, Nutty Putty Cave has been closed to the public since 2009, following the fatal accident that happened that same year. Uh, So, the cave was first explored in 1960 by Dale Green and friends. Mm, Okay. Um, It's currently owned by Utah School and Institutional Trust Lands Administration and managed by the Utah Timpango's Grotto. Okay. Okay, go on. Go on. The cave system was named after a soft brown putty-like texture of clay found in many of its passageways. Ooh. Hence, Nutty Putty Cave. Mm. Was it Was it a... You, does it, was it like a... You said it was putty-like. Yes. Hmm. I wonder if it would actually... Like if you you could fold it over and your hand would still be clean. I don't know. Like like actual silly putty. I don't. Or know. if it was just kind of like a, a moist clay where it's like you know mud. Probably ball. moist clay. Yeah, because I had to guess. Yeah, because it's. I mean, I've never seen clay do that. Like kind of sticky. Yeah. Because I I think of it more like you know mud ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really. Um, Green originally thought of calling it silly putty cave, but later decided nutty putty nutty. Nutty Putty sounded better. Maybe it was kind of clay, because Silly Putty, just saying. Does I mean, seem... I like Silly Putty. I do, too. Silly Putty's cool. It is Nutty fun. Putty, I've never played with Nutty Putty. I haven't either. I don't think Nutty Putty exists. <laughs> well, obviously it does, because well, it's not the Nutty ca- Putty. No, the cave. Nutty Putty cave, not actual <laughs> Nutty Putty. <laughs> nutty Putty. <laughs> I, if I ever start a peanut butter company. <laughs> nutty Putty. Nutty Putty peanut butter. Nutty Putty, nutty putty peanut butty. Butter. Nutty Putty Peanut Buddy. Puppy Monkey Baby. Puppy Monkey Baby. <laughs> you know, the, the one thing is, I've heard some people who love that commercial. Other people, it's like, how did this per- commercial become? It's like, Puppy Monkey Baby. How did they go together? Literally. Super Bowl. I know. Anything's Thank possible you. in the Super okay, Bowl. Okay, fair point. I'll give you that much. Fair point. Yeah. So, all right. Getting back to uh, the clay-like texture is composed of silicon dioxide commonly found in sand um, because the cave was formed upward with superheated water forming limestone many additional materials make up the complex structure it contains 1400 feet or 40 430 meters of chutes and tunnels and prior to closure had been accessible via a narrow surface hole I mean, you can okay. look up pictures of this thing. Okay, and well, it, Nutty it's, Putty it's Cave. Nutty Putty Cave, yes. Okay, I'll do that it's in the pretty background. cool. Pretty cool. So, this cave had uh, four separate... Um, this cave had four separate rescues of cavers and Boy Scouts who got stuck inside the cave's tight twists, turns, and crawls. Uh, in 2006, an effort was put forth to study and severely limit the number of visitors allowed inside the cave. Um, the cave was receiving over 5,000 visitors per year. Uh, many of the visitors entering the cave late at night and fa- failing to take proper safety precautions. Uh, the popularity had caused excessive smoothing of the rocks inside the cave to the point it was predicted a fatality would occur in one of the cave's more prominent features, a 45-degree room called the Big Slide. On May 24, 2006, a gate was installed and the cave was temporarily closed. In early 2009, property management was established and an application process was developed to ensure safety precautions were being met on may 18th 2009 the cave was reopened to the public hmm. okay <laughs> you all right You're... allergies are we back to allergies no I need... no i just... I, I have my finger on the button i was i i thought i was gonna sneeze but i didn't okay um all right here we go let's keep going up next Number four, fatal accident. <laughs> On November 24, 2009. Okay, man- no, you don't like the no, YouTube please voice? don't. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know the YouTube. Yes. The, like, uh, number three, mm-hmm. 
I do. Man falls into a vat of acid, comes out as Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) On November 24, 2009, a man named John Edward Jones, no relation to the uh, Edward Jones. Actually, it might be. I don't know. Um, So John Edward Jones became stuck and subsequently died in the cave after being trapped inside for 28 hours. Yes. Um, Which, if you think about it, how long was our last caver trapped in there for? Uh, 17 days, wasn't it? Was it 17? I have my notes somewhere. Let's see. I think think, it was 17 days and he died on the 18th. Yeah, he died on the 18th day. So this... So, the last caver from episode eight survived longer. Mm-hmm. Well, by 17 days is a long time to survive. Mm-hmm. But we also had the, what's his name, the midget guy. The yeah, midget the little leprechaun guy. Who should have, who, as I said before, why didn't this guy, you know, bring him a sandwich, bring him some water? But maybe he was, and he just died of For some, 17 days. Yeah, yeah, maybe he died of pneumonia or septic yeah. shock or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's in the um, realm of possibilities. Just so, saying, but go on. Yeah. So, Jones, while exploring with his brother, mistook a narrow tunnel for the similarly tight birth canal passageway and became stuck upside down in an area measuring 10 by 18 inches, which is 25 by 46 centimeters for those of you who are not in the U.S., yes. Um, around 400 feet, 120 meters from the cave's entrance. Jones was held in place like a hook, unable to move without causing serious harm due to the bends in his body. Um, so he couldn't move because he was like all crunched up. Crunched up. A large team of rescuers worked, workers came to his assistance. Still, they were unable to retrieve Jones using a sophisticated rope and pulley system after a pulley failed mid-extraction and kind of lodged him in even more. Hmm. Um, Jones ultimately suffered cardiac arrest due to the strain placed upon his body over several hours by his introverted compressed position. Rescuers computed Included that it would be too dangerous to attempt to retrieve his body. The landowner and Jones family came to an agreement that the cave would be permanently closed, with the body sealed inside. As a memorial to Jones, explosives were used to collapse the ceiling, closing Jones's body and the int- and the and the nutty putty cave forever. Um. And then concrete was used to cover up the uh, entrance so no one could ever get back in. Okay. Uh, The school and institutional trust lands administration who owned the property decided to seal off the entrance. Uh, Some some members of the Spladunking community opposed the cave's closure. Facebook community groups petitioned to save the cave but failed. The cave was closed prior to... Prior prior to Jones's death, but cavers had cut their way through the gated entrance. On April 4, 2018, the plaque that was engraved to memorialize Jones was reported to have been vandalized Mm -hmm. by angry cavers. (laughs) I'm sorry, but angry cavers... (laughs) We're gonna bust into this cave and we're gonna van- we're gonna graffiti this memorial. Let let us into the cave. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot cave power. Cave power. Cave Captain Caveman. <laughs> There's a lot. I, I'm just gonna go out and say it. There's a lot better things to be. There you like you, you protesting have, uh, and and vandalize. You know. Furthermore. You have time to just, I'm going to buzz into a cave and vandalize the memorial. You have a lot of free time. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. You do. If Get a job. Yeah. Get a life. Really. Get out of your mother's basement. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, it, you know, 
um, a film Find about purpose in life. Find your purpose, young one. Literally, unlimited power. Yeah. <laughs> um, a film about the tragedy titled "The Last Descent," produced by James Halsema, was released on September sixteenth, twenty sixteen. Um, I kind of want to watch that now. Hmm. I may actually have to. Because I haven't seen it. Um, you know, um, and then they put in a shout out to Josh James, who financially contributed nearly $1 million to the film for its production. Um, Continue if you can. <laughs> yeah, I can keep going. Um, the donation was to support the tragic story. That impicted Manny Utah <laughs> to support the tragic story that impacted many Utahians. Okay, I guess that's Utah. Is that how, Utah is that how you Utahians is what Utah. Utahians? Okay, U- Utah. So like yeah, Colorado well, I know, is I know, I know. Yeah, Texas I, I know what Texans. it is, but it just it doesn't sound right. Right. Ca- ca- how's California? Californians. Yeah. Californians. What would Virginia? Virginians. It might be Virginia. Minnesotans. Um. New I, Yorkians. No, no, it's not New Yorkians. It's New Yorkers. <laughs> <laughs> it New also Yorkians. might be. Virginianites, maybe. There's a there's Virginianites. A, I don't know, because I'm thinking because it's like, um, I'm trying to think. It's like a what have because Texans, Floridans, Herman Coloradans, Canadians. Because I'm trying to think for it's like Ohioans. So it's like is Ohio. it oh. <laughs> Arizonians? I think it's just Arizonans. Oh, okay. um, I'd have to look up Ohio Knights. Ohio, Ohioans, Kansasans, Kansanites. Could be. I gotta look. <laughs> we could be here all night. We <laughs> really to, could. Trying to figure out. I have future episode. Yeah. How to pronounce <laughs> that? That names. actually, I just might. That that just might be how my next pronounce, next episode. Yeah. Um, so uh, that impacted many Utahians. Um, let me see. Okay, here. there's Utah-ians. a lot of yeah. This is a quote. There are a lot of great people here. Who do a lot of great things, and I think it's just fun to show that. And it's not about Utah, and it's not about Utah culture, James said. It's just about people. Mm-hmm. That quote made no sense where I put it in, <laughs> did it? <laughs> I just threw a quote in, and I was like, yeah, this will work. It's fine. <laughs> it's fun. Well, you and know, we've determined before that our notes aren't great. No. In addition to the film, Jones's brother-in-law, Dan Peterson, has organized the Nutty Putty Cave Cycle Team and organized a Nutty Putty Bike Ride. The bike ride consisted of four members and covered 75 to 100 miles a day. The team was taken in at night by Latter-day Saint churches on their route and would cycle every day except Sundays. They used this time to speak with LDS youth about the fatal accident at Nutty Putty and their mission. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is that all for... That was it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? It was. Good story. Yeah, thank you. Good story to you. Yes. On Madame Coca. No, not Madame Coca. Coco Chanel. Oh, not Madame Coca. That's that's your fantasy book for later. That is Madame Coca. Book. I have. I I seriously have a couple books I would love to write. Madame Coca. <laughs> Madame Coca. I don't know, but yeah, I think we could make a whole episode out about just trying to pronounce names. I think I just might. It'll either. Eh, I don't know. I'm not going to make any promises, but. No promises. No mm-hmm. promises. And I'm actually going to go back on my thing I said last episode. Mm-hmm. Which is? That um, if we reach 30 million, I'll get a lobotomy. A 
I'm going to take that back. And I'm. Why? I, I'll say, I'll say if we. Why? I wanted you to get a lobotomy. <laughs> a lobotomy. Um, but yeah, I think we both did. We got some good. interesting stories. Yeah, for sure. Um, one more time, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, YouTube now. Yes, YouTube. YouTube. It's actually interesting because I've been keeping an eye on the statistics of YouTube, and we're getting increasingly popular on YouTube, but we're also kind of losing popularity on our other podcast sites. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no, durr. don't don't let us die, please. Mm-hmm. We're trying our hardest. We really enjoy. All the support you guys are giving us. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to all our listeners all across the world. That's mm-hmm. so awesome you guys are listening. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. We have a lot of American listeners, but we do have a couple, as we said before, across the globe. Across the globe. Um, and anything else you got to tell the people? No, not for me. So, okay. All right. I am Caleb. I- all right. <laughs> this nice I'm job. not okay. How did I do that? I'm generally not the one that does stupid. That's generally your job. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, we can close out. I'm Gabe. I'm Caleb. Apparently now. <laughs> and we hope you enjoy um Chainsaws of behind. Chainsaws, Chainsaws of, of behind. behind. I'm Gabe. <laughs> I'm Caleb. Have, Have a night good. of good. <laughs>